all healthy Christian culture is going to flow from healthy Christian community. Mm -hmm. And so, um, and if you don't, um, and so if you don't have that Christian community, you're, you're, it's going to, there's going to be another community that becomes your home. And, and then over time, when that new home, that new culture becomes your home and your culture, it affects your art. Mm -hmm. it, it can't help but do that. Stay tuned for the show. Poets at War is sponsored by the following. Hello, I'm Sarah Levesque, Editor-in-Chief of Logo Sophia Magazine. I would like to invite you to explore our Pilgrim's Journal of Life, Love, and Literature, both in visual format and in podcast format. Our goal is to help bridge the gaps between different Christian denominations and traditions. Please visit our website at logosophiamag.com to read or listen to stories, articles, poetry, and more, all for free. We look forward to journeying with you. Today on Poets at War, we speak with Pastor Toby Sumter of Cross Politic and Having Two Legs about living in community with your fellow artists and even more, the kingdom of God. Join us in the trenches for Poets at War. God of song said talk about was uh you know you gave a barn burner of a talk saying everything i've been saying forever and jason farley and other guys like us at the fight laugh feast uh conference about uh using great stories to build the imaginations of your children so that when they're in the fourth quarter when they're in the, the uh, behind enemy lines they're going to be uh use when they have to use their imagination when they're forced to use their imagination you know beyond whatever they're gonna they're gonna remember uh, not only your Shadrach, Meshachs, and Abednego's, but also uh, your Aragorns and, you know, every, everything else, right? So um, it's it's just one of those things. It's like, well, how how can I be noble? How can I be strong where I'm at right now? What does that even look like, right? Um, and so I wanted to get into that some, but also uh, the first uh, Fight Last Beast conference I went to, which was the second for you guys in Lebanon, um, the... Uh, we had a conversation um, and, and there was some other stuff Doug said and some other folks about you're not crazy, specifically in relation to artists that really are called by God to do whatever. And even if they're not as a hobby, just raising their family. Right. Mm -hmm. um, poets at War, our kind of tagline is be your family's bard. Right. Do not turn to the right or to the left. The Lord will be with you wherever you go. That's the way, I, you know, from Joshua. Yeah. But the, the point is, like not just raising your family, but wherever you have influence, wherever you have, uh, and, and, and imagination is something really easy to influence as we've seen in our culture today, one way or the other, just right. kind words, you know, you've given me kind words and it's really sparked me in random ways, you know, that, that you probably never thought of when you were saying a kind word, you just gave a kind word. So, um, Doug did a blog on you're not crazy. Like this needs to be the thing that we're saying to each other at Sunday school or Sunday every day or every week, right? You're, you're not crazy for wanting to start your business. You're not crazy for this, that, and the other. And unfortunately, especially in the South, 
Um, there seems to be a uh, southeast, especially, especially. Um, there seems to be a lot of um, animosity toward, and I'm going to get into why I think that is at some point, but I want to hear from you before that. Um, a lot of animosity toward artists for various reasons, um, and it's it's something that I'm wondering, like. How do we get churches to kind of not take them seriously, more seriously than they need to be? Because some of them take themselves way too seriously. Right. But you know, how 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 is this this give and take uh, uh, going to come about if we see start seeing reformation in this area? Yeah, it, it seems to me that you have at least you know two major dynamics going on. Um, one is deeply embedded in the history of the church, which is just a general um, skepticism of beauty and the arts. Mm -hmm. So this goes back to the you know early church. Um, you know, uh, love the early church fathers. They did a lot of great good and good things, and some of them were better than others on this. But you go back to the early church fathers, and there's a real um, skepticism about art and beauty. And I think understandably because um, art and beauty had been used by pagans um, for centuries to um, seduce uh, the masses. And, um, and then even in the first few centuries of the church, I think that temptation was still strong. Um, you know, they've got the beautiful pagan temples, uh, they've got the plays, uh, they've got the arts, they've got the theater, they've got the poetry. Um, you know, the, the, and so I think understandably, uh, the, the early church fathers, you know, uh, broadly, I would say said, watch out, stay away. Um, it was, it was the, you know, basically the, 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 the modern equivalent of, you know, burn all your old records. Um, you know, <laughs> don't, right. don't, don't have cable television. Um, don't go to the movies, uh, don't have Spotify, uh, mm -hmm. you know, it was just cut yourself off from this. It's so bad. It's garbage. It's, it's awful. And, and they were right to many in many respects that uh, it was seductive. It was awful. It was foul. Um, it was perverse. And, you know, we, we live in a cesspool again. Um, mm -hmm. and so, um, so I would say, I think it seems to me that there's just sort of a strong, um, current running through the history of the church that has been skeptical of, beauty, imagination, and the arts. Right. And, and has seen them as these really, really, if not, uh, inherently evil, um, inherently dangerous, um, seductive, um, you know, Eve saw that the, the fruit looked good. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, she, she, uh, the, the devil successfully, uh, awakened her imagination in a sinful way. Um, to imagine disobeying God and, um, and that, you know, and I think that, again, that's understandable. It goes all the way back uh, to, to the fall. And, um, you know, and, and we, you know, see this throughout scripture, the warnings of, um, you know, the, not being uh, seduced by the beauty um, uh, of the allure of a, of a woman in, in, mm -hmm. in sexual sin. But I think by the same token, um, you know, the beauty, the allure of the, the, uh, paganism of the nations. I mean, why did Israel continuously fall into idolatry? Why were they attracted um, to the pagan nations? Well, they had, um, a, there was a lot of it had to do with beauty. A lot of it had right. to do with 
imagination and the arts and and what we would call sort of cultural sophistication. Um, you know, we, we had, you know, Israel had a fancy tent <laughs> and <laughs> and the nations had, you know, these shrines with, you know, gold and, you know, and these, you know, animals and, you know, rituals and so on. And um, so I think there's always been both on the one hand, um, a, a, a real life temptation um, with the imagination, arts, beauty. And then I think because of that, um, I think there has been a long historic skepticism and leaning away from that. Be careful, be careful, be careful. Maybe don't even do it. That's probably a bad idea. You're probably going to screw it up. Um, and then I would say the other thing that's a major contributing factor to the problem and the reason why we're in this position that we're in is um, that a bunch of Christians really have screwed it up. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, bunch, and, and I think, you know, we, we tend to screw it up in a couple of ways. We tend to screw it up either by just making junk mm -hmm. and and we put we put Jesus fish on it and crosses and Bible verses and, you know, and sell Jesus junk in um, Jesus junk stores like your local you know Christian gift shop. Um, and, uh, you know, so we, we tell, you know, stupid stories, you know, we tell. Uh, it, you know, we make, we have, it, everything has this sort of corny, cheesy, um, uh, moralistic, uh, sentimental, you know, uh, point, um, or it's just not very good. It's just lame. It's, it's whatever. Um, we fail that direction. And, um, and after a while, Christians are like, you know, that was like, I spent like a lot of time and a lot of money on junk, you know, like, like, mm -hmm. Man, and that get that gets a bad taste in your mouth, and that feels like you got ripped off and gypped. And then on the other side, um, maybe maybe particularly with those artists that are gifted, um, in particular, they see the junk, they don't want to do that. And so, but the only sort of examples they have, or one, some of the only few examples they have of quality art, is from the pagans, and they creep right up to this edge, and then one after another they fall off. Yeah. And, and, you know, we, we, then we find out a few years later, yeah, I'm not, I'm not a Christian anymore. Uh, you know, I, I went mainstream and, um, you know, whatever they've compromised, they left their wife, um, you know, this kind of thing. And then, and sort sort of both of those failures of Christians to actually make beautiful things and in a way that, um, is still full of, um, Christian integrity. Um, it's it, it both of those things puts a bad taste in Christians mouths and they're and they're like why why would we do that either we're paying you to create junk um or we're paying you um to apostatize in 10 years mm -hmm. and um and in both directions it seems like a risk that's not worth it and so i mean that's a a a broad answer but i think like that's that's my take on why um the church the modern church um has um largely abandoned the world of the imagination, um, the arts and beauty. Um, you know, again, with, with some really, really striking exceptions, obviously. Mm -hmm. So th I think there's, there really are some very striking exceptions. Um, but I would still say, uh, on the whole, I think that's why we've lost it. That's why we're not doing it. And that's why we're losing, um, the culture wars broadly, um, because mm -hmm. we have abandoned one of the central tools that God, uh, uh, really does intend for us to take up, um, which is um, the cultivation of beauty and the imagination. Yeah. Uh, so 
you kind of undercut in, in a good way um, my theory slightly, but I'm going to bring it forward anyway, particularly uh-huh. to Southern culture. Um, right. So I agree with you on everything with the early church fathers, particularly um, uh, one that's not quite so early, but still a lot earlier than most people are willing to go back. Augustine of Hippo, his, you know, stuff with uh, his struggles with uh, sexual sin and that sort of a thing became such a big thing for him that he forgot to see a lot of the good beauty that God put there for him. Um, One of the uh, uh, ways that I tend to look at this sort of thing is if God's giving you a gift and you're like, Ooh, I don't want that. That, that can, that can be, it's not always because sometimes you're legitimately just trying to be good and careful, but that can be the other side that people go, Oh, weaker brother, weaker brother, (laughs) this, that, or the other. And I'm like, no, no, I don't want you spitting in the face of God. If he's giving you something good, right. Right, right. Communion wine's an example of that. And that's a battle. You know, I, I know lots of churches are fighting, you know, and so, and it's not a major one that we need to be divided on at this point by any stretch. Uh, but it's still one of those things. Um, my theory is something I titled the Nashville divorce. And, and what, 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 uh, what this entails is, you know, people think of Hollywood probably first and then like New York or Vegas kind of second for showbiz in the United States, but Nashville might actually be second. Some people, you know, if who are more music minded, they go to Nashville. Well, during your oh brother where out there where art thou years your you know early 1900s and that sort of a thing a lot of um uh legitimate and illegitimate businessmen were pulling scots irish folk from their mountain homes who could really really play and getting them to record and paying them you know their their contracts and stuff and then some of them realized hey we can do live shows too we can make even more money for selling tickets right and so basically these legitimate and illegitimate businessmen were paying people to leave their homes and their communities, leave their churches and go out and into the world and do something. Now that's not in and of itself necessarily bad. If that's what you're called to, that's what you and or your family is called to. But I have a feeling because things were so rural because, you know, the potato famine happened and we had all these extra Irish coming in, you know, and all this kinds of stuff during this time, there was this, upheaval and move towards so rural a situation where we had nothing but these tiny Baptist churches with who knows where this preacher came from, right? (laughs) And essentially, they had no backbone to help these people, whether with letters or of encouragement or food or whatever. They had no real way to help. And the other people were like, well, if you're not going to help me, then I'm going to have to lean on my manager. I'm going to have to lean on, you know, these guys. And the ones that were illegitimate and even some of the ones that were legitimate to a certain extent, they ended up uh, essentially becoming their 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 leader, their mentor. We even see this as far as Elvis to a certain extent. Right. And part of the reason that he just kept going because he loved what he did and then he died. Right. And so your Dolly Partons, your Johnny Cash's that came later, they're still very Christ haunted. Flannery O'Connor. Right. Like very much so. But there's this the people that they end up surrounding themselves with, their community always ends up being liberal because of what they do pulling people away from their communities. Yeah. So my whole question is, especially with the advent of the internet, 
what can we be doing as a church? I'm not talking pastors necessarily. I'm saying lay people. What can we do as lay people to encourage folks that do have to travel or have to be in various places where they're just going to be overcome by the world (laughs) in order to shine forth that beauty, right? Right. it's just something that that I, I see it time and time again. And every time I talk to some of my Nashville friends, you know, yeah. um, and, and and friends of friends, you know, I see it. Uh, one of the big ones that that really hurt hurt me, quite frankly, hurt me deeply, was um, during uh, just before COVID. Uh, Andrew Peterson put out uh, "Is He Worthy?" Mm-hmm. Uh, you're familiar with the song, and and he did a music video, and had a, a he didn't mean to <laughs> all white people there because it's Nashville and the people who answer our calls for extras and music videos in Nashville are yeah. usually white people. Anyway, so they came and a bunch of people made a big stink about it, how it's all white people. And this is revelation. You're supposed to be. And they even say in the song, every tribe, tongue, nation. Why didn't right. you put them in there? And he tried to walk the middle of the road, but he sort of apologized at the same time. Right. Right. I, I agree that it would have been artistically better to have as many different races represented as possible just for the sake of the song artistically, right. you know? Right. Um, but that's as far as you should go with that, in my opinion. Right. And then when COVID happened and everything else, like he tried to walk middle, middle road this whole time. And he's still walking middle of the road. His brother is super, super liberal. He, I don't believe he is. He's, he's an Anglican, but he's, you know, and so I see this over and over and over again in Nashville where these guys just get crushed by the woke mob on one side and the church is, is going, well, woke going to be woke <laughs> instead right. of helping their brother, you know? Right. right. I, I just, yeah. Yeah. It's, it, I, no, I, I think that, um, I, I like your Nashville theory. I, I think I think that I think that works, and I think that fits. And I think um, it, it seems to me that um, I mean all cult, all healthy Christian culture is going to flow from healthy Christian community. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and if you don't, um, and so if you don't have that Christian community, you're you're it's going there's going to be another community that becomes your home, and and then over time when that new home that new culture becomes your home and your culture it affects your art Mm -hmm. it it can't help but do that and so um so i I think that works and i think that is you know a sort of a a zoom in a little bit closer in terms of like what's actually happening i think that's exactly that's a um that's right um i think the church also just frankly needs to teach more on what the bible says about um uh art and beauty and Mm -hmm. um and it's its connection to community. Right. Um, and so I think, um, you know, we, we've talked, um, you know, the last couple of years since COVID, you know, there's a lot of talk on, um, you know, more broadly in the culture about building anti-fragile communities, uh, mm-hmm. building, a, you know, alternative economies and, and, and all these sort of things like, you know, or do you live in a community where, you know, if, if things go down really bad, are you, you know, can you provide for your family? Are you safe? Um, do your neighbors have your back? Can you provide for one another? And I think that's, makes sense given where, where we're at to be talking about those things, um, without, you know, going off into crazy prepper land, but, you know, nevertheless, you know, being wise. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think, but I think the same, it actually, I think this is what we should have been doing all along. Um, I think, I think we should have been building anti-fragile communities from jump. 
um, while not and not being, you know, isolationists, um, but but nevertheless, building Christian communities, church communities um, that are where we have real ties, real um, we, we protect one another. We watch out for one another. Our children grow up. Um, they, you know, and not that, you know, no one can ever leave or you can't take a job somewhere else or whatever, but, but I think far more rootedness and, um, the, 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 the what that does, I mean, the, I, I've actually told this story a couple of times. This is not directly connected to arts, but, mm-hmm. um, but architecture. So kind mm-hmm. of, kind of a, a, it's still a, an art. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's close. But, um, uh, my wife and I were able to build a house, um, during 2020 and, um, uh, and we had, I mean, many the the general contractor who actually built it was a is a member of our church. Um, the uh, the the bank um, lending manager is a Christian from another church in town. Um, so, you know, the guy that laid our floors is a Christian from another church in town. Um, the guy that did our plumbing was a, a Christian from another church out of town. And I mean, just all these Christians coming together and. And it wasn't like um, we planned it this way. It, like, it, you know, we're, it's not like we live in a little uh, Mennonite community or, you know, it's like even if people think that's what Moscow's like, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's not. <laughs> it's, a, it's a bit, it's, it's a little more cosmopolitan than that, even though it's a small town. But, um, but, but I was blown away by how many Christians helped us were involved in it. Um, oh, the people that actually did our architectural drawings are two gals who do this on the side, married mothers who mm-hmm. on the side do architectural drawings. Um, and so there's all these things. And it, what the thing that struck me when we were doing this was um, it wasn't like anybody was like giving us some kind of screaming deal because we were believers. Um, but what I will say is there was a deep amount of trust between all of us because we were believers. Right. And, and because of that trust, um, I do believe that the overall like risk felt mitigated, mm. you know, like, you know, not that Christians can't sin against each other and rip each other off. They can, and they do or even like, just do bad work by accident. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and exactly. And so, you know, write everything down, have contracts, you know, do, do due diligence. Don't, don't just, you know, spit and shake on it. You know, I, I don't believe in that kind of thing, but I would say because of the covenant community, there was a greater amount of trust. We were able to work, I think, better together. I also think ultimately everybody came out better. Like, I think, I mean, I was glad to pay these people what they're worth. Like, tell me your bill. I'll pay it. I don't care. I want to bless you because mm-hmm. you're doing, you're doing good work for me and vice versa. I don't think they necessarily had to, um, you know, add a whole bunch of extra money on to the, to the bill because they weren't afraid of getting ripped off on the other side. Right. When you have that kind of trust, I think everybody comes out ahead. You get you, you, and it's not like anybody's, you know, um, trying to get the deal. It's, Mm -hmm. it's, everybody's trying to bless each other and, and it really comes out better. Well, if that's the case in building a house, which really does have, um, it is, it is an art. Um, I, I think the same thing in terms of building anti-fragile community is absolutely essential for, for cultivating, um, arts, uh, in the church and and in a Christian culture. I think where you have that kind of trust, that kind of loyalty in a community, a rootedness, um, and a commitment. And, you know, obviously like I'm happy to pay like my, my general contractor, you know, you tell me your fee, I'm going to pay it. And I know he's, he's paying for his kids, Christian education with with that. So I was like, I'm putting, I'm helping him put food on the table and his kids are getting raised in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. 
and, and, and vice versa, he's providing a home for me where I'm going to be raising my children and where we're going to be inviting people over from the community because I'm a pastor and, and we do parties and, and Bible studies and stuff and psalm sings and, mm-hmm. and, and vice versa. We're, we're, we're um, enabling one another. We're creating space for one another to do what we do and what we're called to. Right. And I think this applies, even though I'm not an artist per se, it absolutely does apply to the artists in the community. When we are, when we build that kind of community it and it's healthy and it's thriving and it's based on faithfulness to marriage vows, faithfulness to membership vows, um, faithfulness to um, raising our children up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, that's the kind of place where artists are going to thrive. There's a... Um... A guy, I'm, you may not, you, you may know him by name, but you definitely know at least one of his songs, Rich Mullins. You remember the guy, mm. um, awesome God guy. Uh, he wrote a lot of other really great songs. Really fantastic poet. Yeah. Uh, weird guy. Uh, were, was barefoot, barefoot on stage. Performed at a lot of uh, Indian reservations and found their culture really interesting. But he, um, he started sort of liberal, sort of Christian. But toward the end of his life, you know, he died in a car crash. In the, in the late 90s, he, he, he started to get more um, almost Calvinistic kind of thing. I think he, he ended at a, a Methodist church, but it was a really more grounded kind of one. But he um, his his uh, he got so fed up with the grind in Nashville. He loved being on the road. He loved traveling, but he hated the grind. And he specifically asked and he hated all of any and any and all accolades that came with it he 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 would ask random people on the street hey you want to come play with us yeah. uh, you know he's just see a guy with a guitar not even playing right and he they'd be like you've never seen me play he's like nah come on just, yeah. we, we need we need an extra guy right. <laughs> and and so he um he uh was uh uh he did this really interesting thing with his church when he just got so fed up with the limelight he was starting to get um, when he just started to really catch on, he took his whole check and said, I want you to send it to my church and church. I want you to take everything. That's not the average American wage. And I want you to take that as tithe right off the top and, and pay me. You're, you're, you're my employer now, basically. They, 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 huh. they said they, I know that I'm contracting for them, but you're paying my church and then my church is paying me. Huh. And, and, and as a result, they gave him as much support as they possibly could. Right. To make sure that people were with him all the time. Cause he was, he had a lot of inner demons and stuff he wanted to keep away. So he always wanted to be around someone. He even got psychotic about it. Sometimes he was like, uh, where'd you go? I, I can't be alone, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Right. And like, here's a trans use this to kind of pivot and transition. I think that's a great thing that artists can be doing for their church. Even if it's not something quite that lofty, just making sure that like you're involving the church in whatever you're doing as much as possible. And they might be a little weird about it at first and try to, you know, figure it out. 501 C three is one of the worst things to happen when it comes to like taxes and all that other nonsense. Uh, but yeah, the, um, the, 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 um, a lot of people now, are uh not a lot of people i'm starting to hear rumblings about him the same way i heard about hans christian anderson another uh weird but godly christian man (laughs) right Mm -hmm. um he was a no heller but he was overtly blatantly a christian right Mm -hmm. sort of george mcdonald ish yeah um 
there's so many rumors about men like him being gay because they were celibate men, right? And this is and the reason they were celibate wasn't necessarily a choice either. I'm starting to hear that a lot about Rich. Rich always said he met someone in Bible college and she broke his heart and he decided he couldn't have anyone else. You know, that that's just not 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 gonna happen. And he died that way. But I'm starting to hear rumblings about Rich Mullins. Was he really gay? And this is something that we get targeted. You know, all these guys, you know, in, in one situation or another are getting targeted. They're dead. And then, you know, people go, oh, man, was he gay? That's yet another way they get tilted toward the liberals who are, oh, we're going to help you, artists. We're going to help you. Come on in. You're just like Rich. Right, right. Right? <laughs> they start taking out our... our, our, our uh, heroes and targets and whatever else and right. I, I i i just i'm seeing that a lot 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 in yeah. artistic communities yeah and i think it doesn't help that i think um in the church's abandonment of the arts in, in so many respects um the the vacuum that has been filled um has um has has been has, has gone heavily in an effeminate and feminized mm-hmm. direction, um, and and sometimes you know, uh, helped by naive and foolish Christians, um, you know, where you you know a lot of the Jesus junk that I was talking about earlier tends to be very sentimental and effeminate. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's all it's all sweetie and saccharine, um, you know, precious moments and and uh, you know Thomas Kincaid and you know this kind of thing. Um, when, um, you know, we we look back in the history of the church though, and, and in the history of Western civilization, I mean, some of the most, uh, glorious art that's ever been created was made by very, very masculine men. Mm -hmm. Uh, And and obviously, you know, uh, and there have been some, um, very, very gifted women, um, as well in the arts, but if art is a reflection of the glory of God, and it is then it is going to be, it's just as it is going to um, be cultivated by a flourishing Christian community in the same way, it's going to be that, that, that flourishing Christian community is going to be a place that celebrates masculinity and femininity in men and women, because that's where the image of God is displayed. And it's going to be in men loving um, their, their manhood, their masculinity and loving and honoring women rightly and Vice versa, women honoring men rightly and 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 being grateful for their femininity and motherhood and so forth. It's going to be in that milieu, in that um, uh, in that furnace, that really beautiful and glorious art is going to be made. Um, but you know, you go back to you know, I mean, one of the the, the great the you know the, the great poet of of the Bible is David. King David is um, a musician, uh, a poet. Um, he obviously loves, uh, the beauty of words and the beauty of music. Um, but that, that dude was a fighter. That dude was, a um, you know, he was a, a shepherd. He was a, uh, a soldier. He was a king. Um, and, um, you know, uh, he, he was, he was manly. He was not effeminate. Um, he certainly, uh, you know, talk about the, the accusation, of course, he, he had a, um, very, very close, um, relationship with Jonathan. And so of course they're accused sometimes by the liberals of, a you know, mm-hmm. some kind of homoerotic thing going on. Um, but, uh, but that's, you know, of course, not at all what, uh, was going on. Um, our, our, our culture's, you know, got its head in the, in the gutter and now, um, 
you know, you can't think of anything except sewage. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, um, but I think it, it has not helped that frequently our vision, our, our, our view of beauty has not been, um, in the right way, masculine and feminine. Um, it's, it's been effeminate, egalitarian, um, you know, sort of, uh, conf- it's, it's been, you know, our art has been tranny in certain ways, um, in that, it, you know, it's, it's been confused and, um, sexually confused for a while by, I mean, and I'd say, especially in the last hundred years with the rise of modern art and postmodern art, um, in, in, uh, uh, in a number of different, um, particular arts, but the, you know, relativism and so forth of, of just, you know, any a beauty is only in the eye of the beholder. It's all subjective. It's all relative. Um, well, that's, a, that's, that's a tranny move. I mean, that's, mm-hmm. a, that, you know, like just, just in the same way you say that a boy can become a girl or a girl can become, can become a boy, just give them the right chemicals and the right surgery. I mean, that's what, um, you know, a lot of the turn of the century artists were doing, um, with, with paint and sculpture and music. I mean, Johnny Cage and, you know, um, you know, uh, silence or whatever. And, um, and, uh, uh, and similar sorts of, you know, splattering paint on canvas and calling it beauty. Um, you know, that was chemical castration for the arts. Right. Yeah. You know, going back, I think the other, the other piece that Christians like me can get caught up, uh, Christian artists can get caught up in the beauty philosophy, heady aspect of things. One of the things that I'm constantly trying to push with my friends is, um, you know, Doan pushes this and a few other people push this is kind of not just the doing, 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 although that's a big part of it. Like do it, practice every day, build your craft, et cetera. There's a real earthiness to doing that. Like it's very grounded, but also, um, the PT Barnum sort of nature where you are actually, uh, seeking to entertain and and edify people with what you're doing beyond just you're giving them you're shoving into their brain and heart uh uh, uh beauty from this you know sort of right. like uh what, what do you call that um i forget what philosopher was like just fill their head with knowledge uh but you know what i'm saying right yeah. like we don't yeah, yeah. fill heads with knowledge we present something and they take it or leave it you know <laughs> right and they and yeah. sometimes they'll take it in a different way but God works all things together. How can you how can you even believe this if you're not Calvinist kind of thing, right? Like, the, but to me, I learned that through DJ. My father was a uh, a mobile DJ from you know uh, when I was about uh, nine or so. About when I turned eleven, he started taking me to the elementary school parties and things like that, and you know teaching me the ropes. And I spent a good uh, uh, 12 to 15 years of my life in that business. And what I learned was I have a, uh, even beyond like what I'm communicating with the lyrics of the song that I'm playing, <laughs> like going that deep, right? Uh, beyond that, just getting out there, being as crazy as I can, doing, you know, the really fun dances and getting people going. There's something about, um, communicating to people that there is goodness and beauty but you do it through something silly or crazy you see what i'm saying like there's there's something to that i i know you and you and doug sometimes don't hold back for that specific reason to get a rise right, right. and so to me um there's an entertainment element that is not entertainment for entertainment's sake and that seems to be the only thing 
that a lot of conservative Christians can think of entertainment as. It's yeah. completely pointless. There's no point to it whatsoever. Whereas to me, this is the spice rack, right? <laughs> this is where you pour the spices onto your good, hearty, nutritional meal. This is the sugar. This is the whatever else. This isn't just candy. This is a full meal that you're yeah. getting someone to eat. So yeah, and, and I think I think that's exactly right, Joshua. And I, I don't know. If I, I hope this is, this fits with what you're saying. But my immediately was thinking about I've been reading um, C.S. Lewis's Four Loves again recently, mm-hmm. and um, and he's building off of a very classical understanding of love, um, going back to Augustine and even building off of Aristotle a bit. But it's but basically the idea that you know sort of there's a kind of a hierarchy of of loves that mm-hmm. you know. Um, you, you begin with sort of a really low level with certain kinds of like, um, you know, he talks about like need love, like, you know, you, 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 know, you really need a glass of water and you love water, but you don't like, it's not a really deep, profound love. It's just like, right. that's how God made you. And, you know, and it sort of slowly ascends. And, um, and in this one section I, I was just reading last night, he, he was, re- is talking about, um, how the love of, um, af- affection is what he calls it. Um, the kind of love of, um, familiar things, the love of your home, um, the love of your family, the love of your place, the love of smells. Um, uh, and, and he, and he, you know, he's, he, he grants, he actually says, he says, you know, now, if you love your things too much, he says it actually becomes a demon. Mm-hmm. If you make it a God, it turns into a demon. Um, but there's a kind of, there's a lower level love. He says that is, is, just because it, uh, because of the nature of what it is that you're loving. Now, sometimes you might have to give up father and mother for the sake of the gospel. There are higher loves, but he says you, you can't just throw this love out because he says it's in the love of family. It's the in the love of your favorite breakfast. It's in the love of you know the smell of you know mom's house or you know the things that are you're familiar to. He says that you're actually practicing to love the greater things. Mm. And, and he says a person who doesn't learn to love his own family well is not likely to learn to love his na- his neighbor and humanity well. Mm. Um, how, how he, he kind of he paraphrases First uh, John when he, he says, you know, how, how can uh, someone um, say that he loves humanity who whom he has not seen uh, if he does not love his own neighbor whom he has seen every day? Um, right. And and I think there's a similar way in which. Um, uh, the love of lesser beauty and and lesser arts is is not useless or worthless at all. The P.T. Barnum, the 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 comedic, the um the just the silly or the fun. Um, I think loving those things in the right way, understood in the right way, is actually practice for loving profoundly beautiful things. Mm-hmm. Um, l- loving the the circus tune. Is is in the right way, understood in the right place, and put on the right shelf is actually practiced for loving um, Saint Matthew's Passion by Bach. That's um, right. Um, but but it, it, it's easy to it's or you know to flip it around. I, I can't remember who it was. There's some modern um, comedian who said, um, you know, everybody wants to save the world, but no one wants to help mom do the dishes. Right. Um, and it's a similar kind of thing. Everybody wants the high things, and nobody wants the low things that you, you need as the steps to getting to the high things. Right. And so, and so I think you're absolutely right. The, the love and the enjoyment of the lower, um, uh, forms of beauty, uh, the, the, you know, folk beauty and, and pop beauty even understood in the right ways and understood putting them in the right places, um, 
is actually training for, practice for, um, and actually making room for. It's in that delight. It's in the milieu of that um, joy. You know, you're dancing to just you know silly pop music or whatever. Um, it's actually practice for the profound beauty and the profound love. One of the things that we did DJing that always stood out to me. Um, my last song was a song that, that we would always close the show, close the, the the main like grand prize of the show. We might play a few more songs or whatever, but like the main grand prize of the show, uh, which the kids would be dancing for the entire time. We've specialized in kids parties, right? They'd be dancing the whole time knowing that there's this big grand prize coming and they know what it is and they're all excited. Um, it was a song called Move It Like This by the Baja Men. And the chorus is just, can you move it like this? And they say, and then I, we had to do a call and response. I can shake it like that. Simple, simple thing, right? Yeah. It ends with the chorus fading out. I, can you move it like this? I can shake it like that. Sometimes we get them to call and response so loud that they do it three or four times after the song ended. Yeah. And it's like, what is actually happening here? This is people who've gathered together for an event, a birthday party, you know, a holiday party, whatever it might be, getting together, screaming, moving their body, glorying in what God's given them. And it like even at, as a teenager, it always stuck out to me and make made me misty eyed that this goofy little song by the guys who did who let the dogs out <laughs> right <laughs> it's causing such and it's not the song it's what we're doing right, right. and that's that was the thing that was so amazing because when the song fades out there's still these people who love each other or have a passing connection to each other celebrating together yeah and enjoying something that god gave them whether they know it or not right right, right? like yeah. That that kind of glory is there, and it so transcends all the like the fact that I'm playing it, what I'm playing it on, how the electrical signal is getting here, right? It's, oh, yeah. it's so it's so far beyond. It's like C.S. Lewis and Narnia with Ramandu and everything else. Uh, it, it's not not what a star, even in your world, that's not what a star uh, is, but only what it is made of. Right, right, right. right. So, yeah, <laughs> I, I I I find. Um, there's a the line from P.T. Barnum. He, he said one time, he's reported as uh, saying at one point, um, uh, the most noble job, I wouldn't agree with most noble, but one of the most noble, I would say, is that of making other people happy. Mm. I, yeah. I think that, that that right there is, I mean, if we can do that, that is inherently showing the gospel on a right. subliminal level. Well, and, and it's, and it's profoundly incarnational. Mm -hmm. So, so you know, I know that's that can be used as sort of a buzzword, but you know, but but God became flesh. I mean, it's it's I don't know when this this uh, recording is going to air, but it's Christmas, and um, God became flesh um, for us and for our salvation, um, and He became a particular man at a particular time in history, and He did what needed to be done to save us from our sins, and and so the 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 notion of serving particular people, um, I think, is really, really profound, Joshua. And 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 I think art, because again, um, I've got actually a, there's an advanced mathematics professor at WSU, Washington State University, that I'm I'm friends with. He's the he's actually the head of the department. Brilliant man, and um, 
he he is he's like he hates the wokeness he hates the you know all the stuff he's actually he's actually iranian he actually grew up in iran it's a really cool story and um came to america because in as a high schooler um he would visit the american embassy in tehran and uh, he actually started a um a club that he called the western christian club as a as a nominal muslim boy in high school in Tehran because they would, and they would go together, these Iranian kids to the American embassy. And this is in the seventies and they would put on records of Mozart and Bach and read and read Shakespeare together. And, and he's, and he's told me many, he's told me many times he'll say, Toby, Islam could never make anything that beautiful. Yeah. Only Christianity can make something that beautiful. And, and he was determined to come to the States and he, and he did. And, you know, he's been living here for a number of years now, but he says, you know, he says, I, he says, I hate the wokeness. I, he hates the English departments, the philosophy departments. He says, he says, you know, if, if I could, he says, if I could pick my neighbor, he says, I'd never want to live next to a university professor. He says, I want to live next to a garbage collector. There you go. <laughs> and, and, and he's like legit. He's like, he's like, and I said, I'd look like, why? And he's like, because they're connected. They're still connected to this world. Yeah. Like they, they have to deal with the raw reality of people. Why do you think and, Tolkien made Sam a gardener? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it's, but when you, when you know people where they are in, in their incarnate particularities and you serve them and you bless them and you make them happy, um, mm-hmm. Uh, that's, that's love right. and, and it's practicing again for the greater loves. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can't do it without the, the, the knowledge of, and the care for, uh, people in their particular places. Um, I know, um, I know you don't like Tolkien at all, but, um, <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll bring Tolkien into this conversation. I, I was, but I, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm working on an article uh, for my blog, it'll pr- probably go up, I don't know, later today or tomorrow, but, um, on, um, the friendship of Legolas and Gimli. Mm-hmm. And, um, and y- you, uh, I mean, one of the most striking, um, dynamics in, in the Lord of the Rings and they're, you know, they're, what begins is sort of this, you know, pretty high, um, resentment and, and, and skepticism of one another's races of elves and dwarves. And there's a bunch of history and, 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 you know, you probably know the lore even better than I do, but, you know, there's reason why the elves and dwarves have this, you know, um, this, this skepticism of one another. And then of course the, the elves of Mirkwood had held the, 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 the family of, of Gimli in prison shortly, you know, momentarily in, in the Hobbit and, you know, and, uh, but, but, but Gandalf, you know, at the, at the, at the, uh, door, uh, of, of Durin at the, the open entry to the mines of Moria says it wasn't always this way. Um, yeah. elves and dwarves used to be friends and, you know, y'all, um, and they, they have a little back and forth. Well, it wasn't the dwarves. It wasn't the elves. And Gandalf says, would you guys, would you guys at least try to be friends? Cause we, we need to work on this. And, and of course that's what begins to happen in the, in the mines and then in Lothlorien in particular. And, but one of the things that, you know, they're, they're so competitive, um, they, they, they have such fierce loyalty and love for their ways, mm-hmm. for, for particular places and for the ways of the elves and for the waves, ways of the dwarves and the beauty, particularly 
of of their ways. Um, the beauty of 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 the the elves and the and the trees and the and the way that they do life and the beauty of the caves and the beauty of the the jewels and the ways that the dwarves do life. And of course, um, uh, after uh, the after Helm's Deep on their way to um, Isengard, the you know, they, they, as he's describing, he, he was so sad that he didn't get to see the caves, uh, in Helm's Deep. And, uh, and, and it's so moving that, that Legolas says, you know, that is so moving. If we ever make it out of all this alive, um, you know, would you, would you take me back and, and show me the caves and, and, uh, and, you know, I, I'd like to take you back through Fanghorn actually, and show you the beauty of Fanghorn and uh and then you know go go see the 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 mines of 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 helm's deep and and they and and they agree to that and it says they do you know later on and and when they did uh legolas comes out of the mines speechless uh and, and tolkien has some kind of you know line in there where he says something like and and uh you know I'm not sure it ever happened to you know it ever happened that a uh that a the a an elf was speechless uh in in the presence of a dwarf uh, but this but, <laughs> But this beautiful friendship is is developed um, that's centered on the love of particular beauties, mm-hmm. and you know, you know then then and by that point you know these civilizations have very developed high high beauties, but I would agree with you completely. I think it all started with um, you know um, local beauty, um, simple beauty, um, laughter, dancing, um, and uh, you know singing the chorus, you know five more times, even after the music is faded. Um, then, and I think you know, I, I love, you know, my, uh, my kids are, uh, the, the classical Christian school here in town at Logos and have a, a son now at, at New St. Andrews college, but the, um, they, they do dances here. Um, and a lot of, you know, sort of folk style dances, but it's, you know, um, they, the kid, like, I love watching them because they just, they run for an hour and a half, basically. Like they don't stop running and there's dances and everything, but they're like, um, they, they do all the dances sort of at like double speed and, um, you know, and there's some line dancing mixed in and, you know, the, these things and they, you know, some of the modern pop music is mixed into it, but it, it it's just, it, as you, as you know, it's exuberance, it's joy. And yet it, what I see it happening is it's building a community, it's building camaraderie, it's building loves and enjoyment. And it's, and that's, it's that kind of love and enjoyment and gladness and exuberance in God's goodness, in music, in bodies, um, in boys and girls, men and women. And it's that that actually is going to produce, um, I think, um, even more glorious art and beauty um, in the coming generations. That's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, well, I am going to wrap the uh, official podcast here, and then I have one more thing to tell you, and then we can rock. Uh, everybody remember uh, – oh, Toby, do you have anything to plug? Well, you – uh, all the things, uh, all the good stuff. Yeah. yeah Canon plus, uh, cross politics, uh, as a, you know, cultural Your blog, having two legs, having two legs, Toby J. Sumter.com is my blog where I, where, where I write it's my website and, um, yeah, Canon plus Logos, new St. Andrews college, cross politics, all the things. Yep. All right. Well, uh, everybody, be your family's bard. Do not turn to the right or to the left, and the Lord will be with you wherever you go. Follow us, and uh, uh, we'll see you next time in the trenches on Poets at War. God of sunset.
these words awoke within you, a stirring and radiant fire, please remember even a bard is worthy of his wages and hire. Go to joshuadavidling.com support to support me and my family.